everybody, and welcome to From Plum Creek with Love, a little house on the prairie podcast. I'm your host, John Hernandez. I find it a little funny. Here I am debuting two episodes called Back to School, just as school time in the States is coming to an end and summer is beginning. Of course, with the warmer weather, that means opened up windows, opened up doors. But it does, however, allow for nature's calls to enter. I have a few shrieking squirrels, a very obnoxious chirping bird, and a fly moving around inside the house. And although you might not be able to hear them as you are listening to this podcast, but I am definitely hearing them as I'm recording it. And thankfully today, the washer and or dryer is not running. And speaking of sounds, I'm so excited. It's finally here. It's summer, which means I am one month away from seeing Madonna in concert up in Seattle, Washington. Following that up by seeing Jinx Monsoon here in Portland, Oregon in August and back to Seattle once again in September for Beyonce. The last concert I attended was in 2015. It was also Madonna. I'm not much of a concert goer. I've been to a handful of them throughout my life, but you know, things are opening up. Madonna has gotten me through my whole life. Beyonce got me through last summer. It's time for me to also get back out there and do more things. So in this case, when push came to shove, I jumped in head first. And with that being said, Let's get started on today's recap. Today's episode is entitled Back to School Part 2, obviously, and debuted on September 24th, 1979. The episode was written and directed by Michael Landon. We begin with Caroline at the reins, heading to school. Inside, Willie Olson as at a spot in the corner, and Albert is at the board multiplying two binomials. He's not using the foil technique. It's at this time Caroline enters from the back and requests if she can have a moment to talk with Laura. And Laura, yeah, you guessed it, she's taking her time. Outside, Caroline pulls from her bag that stripped tin of cayenne pepper, and she's curious because she'd like to understand how the label came off by mistake. Laura begins to apologize. Caroline interrupts her and says, I'm not the one you should be apologizing to, and says they'll discuss her punishment later as they make their way over to Nellie's. Inside, Nellie is fake crying. There's no tears, not even the crusty ones. Harriet tells her to stop her crying, and Nellie, I can't stop. I won't stop. You know, for Nellie being an adult, she acts more like a child than ever. At this moment, Harriet spots Laura. What is that child doing here? Laura musters out an apology and admits what she did was on purpose. Harriet Olsen utters a fake gasp as she imitates a pocket watch. What a cruel thing to do. And then proceeds to recommend Laura get horsewhipped within an inch of her life. Her words, not mine. Caroline rolls her eyes 
ensures Harriet there will be a punishment, and sends Laura back to school. When Laura leaves, Nellie Olsen yells out, I'll get you, my pretty. Harriet turns, rolls her eyes, and tells her daughter, we don't say that. However, Laura's humiliation continues outside when Caroline tells her that she must apologize to Manny, and Laura freezes. She's reluctant and admits she won't and bolts from the scene. We find ourselves over at Plum Creek. It's late. Charles, Caroline, and Albert are at the table. However, Laura hasn't returned home yet. Albert is sent up to bed. Caroline makes her way to the window and wonders aloud where Laura could be. And I'm just going to say, anyone try the Prairie Airbnb? At this time, a dog resembling Bandit paws at the door, asking to be let out. And watching that dog, that's when Charles realizes Laura is out in the barn. Charles heads out to retrieve Half Pint and finds her in the last stall. What do you have to say for yourself? And confesses she's not afraid of the punishment, but of the embarrassment of being treated like a little girl. I'm not a little girl. Why does everyone keep calling me that? As she starts to cry. Ma was going to march me over and apologize to Manny like a baby. And then she says it. I'm not a baby. I'm a woman. Charles, well, you're definitely not a Carrie, but you're not a woman either, Half Pint. And Laura, uh, even the name, that's something for a child. Elmonzo doesn't call me that. And raising an eyebrow, Charles, Elmonzo? Yes, he calls me Beth, a woman's nickname. She then complains how Mary never got a silly nickname growing up. And Charles, to his defense, one, didn't think it was silly, and two, confesses Mary wasn't his favorite. Only his first. Just kidding. He continues by saying, and now that Mary's older and an adult, married and employed, she doesn't need a nickname. Laura reminds us of her own career goals about being an educator, and Charles then puts his foot down. Well, when you're a teacher, you're an adult, and I'll treat you like an adult. In the meantime, my house, my rules, and he does expect Laura to apologize. And Laura says that she will, but on her terms, but not with a notary or chaperone, escort, just by herself. Later, in the primary bedroom, Charles and Caroline are having a late night conversation about Laura being in love. Charles chuckles at this notion, and Caroline, thank goodness, is there, rolls her eyes and says, I know my daughter. The tone in Charles's voice immediately changes when he starts to think, Manny could be in his 20s. This is just puppy love. Why is he hanging around with an old man like that? Why do you suppose he calls her Beth? Caroline giggles, says he's being ridiculous, and tells him it's time to go to bed. Charles himself is most likely not going to get any more sleep as he continues to wonder out loud about Almanzo's age and wondering why Beth. We find ourselves outside of school at the end of another day and everyone is coming outside. 
Laura pauses and heads back inside, where we find Willie, not in the corner, but at the blackboard. I will not talk in class. Laura makes her way all the way up to the front of the room to address Eliza Jane. She wants some information about the teaching certification exam. We're told an examiner comes to town and that it's an easy test to take, but not easy to pass. There are no age restrictions, so even Carrie could take it, is that you have your school certificate first, your diploma. So Carrie can't do it. And giving Laura a benefit of the doubt smile tells her perhaps in another year she'll be ready. And Laura, not having it, I know what I want, and I want it now. And I want to take that exam ASAP. Eliza Jane tells Laura, well, she can give her the school certificate exam, but she'll need a little prep time. And Laura blurts out two weeks without even thinking. Lastly, we're informed the test will consist of vocabulary, mathematics, history, and has a two-hour time limit. With this information and appointment set up, Laura leaves. Eliza Jane inquires over to Willie why he stopped writing, and Willie responds, the board is full. Not realizing, however, he is going to be told to erase it and start all over again. Over at the feed and seed, this time the proprietor being S.E. Miller, Laura comes over to talk with Manny. You know, that apology, admitting she did it on purpose. With that charming smile, Manny inquires to Laura why she did it. And Laura, well, um, I thought Nellie would have tasted it first. Oh, and I didn't think you were going to eat it. She apologizes again. Manny confesses it's actually kind of cool. It's the miracle he was looking for to get him out of that situation. Unfortunately, cinnamon chicken is now at the bottom of his list of favorite meals. Laura's face can't hide the excitement of hearing this news that this little blunder actually had a silver lining. With a smile, she tells Manny, see you later, and bolts. We find Laura running through the woods to find the most recently engraved initials. And when she does, she kisses them. Thank you for not being mad. I love you. Manny, Manny, Manny. You're so awesome. And yes, she kisses those initials once more. At Plum Creek, Laura shares the duo news, the school certification and teaching exam. And Charles, Charles is not happy. He's telling her she is too young. She ought to give it up. And Laura, Papa, don't preach. You left school when you were 12 to go to work. And you said it made a man out of you. Laura tries to get Albert to back her up and Charles tells him to butt out. He continues by saying he was the man of the house, assuming his older brother was no longer around the house and not doing himself any favors. He continues by saying, I'm supposed to work and it's not the same for women. And Caroline, thank you for being there, puts down her beer and doesn't even wait. <clears throat> Excuse me. Who's supporting this family right now? As she simultaneously points to his cast and herself and giggles. And while Caroline is all right with Laura having the opportunity to at least try it, she informs her they don't have the material, though, for the final year of school. How are you going to study? 
and not thinking the amount of time she's given herself, Laura admits her plan is to ask Nellie to loan her the books. Laura is very adamant about wanting to be a teacher. Also, in the same breath, she does request Charles to call her Laura when in public from now on. And while Charles agrees, he then tells Half Pint to finish her greens. The next day, as Nellie is shoving cherry pie into her face, I can't believe you come to me for favor. Jokingly, Laura states, Do you want me to beg for forgiveness? And still cramming more pie into her mouth, Nellie says yes. Laura makes her attempt, and Nellie immediately forgives her and escorts her back over the mercantile for the studying material. Oh, FYI, as she was leaving, Nellie did inquire to Caroline if she could handle managing the restaurant while she's away. And over at the Olsons, Nellie hands over a book for vocabulary and math, tilting her head. Laura inquires, what about history? Nellie assures her, it's not important. It's not even on the test. Laura, however, is not sure and states, Miss Wilder said there was going to be history. And why would she say it if it's not true? And Nellie calls Laura naive. And I have to agree because Nellie now convinces Laura that Miss Wilder is watching out for her own self-interest. Do you think she wants to lose her job to a younger teacher? And OMG, Laura's mouth drops. I can't believe a teacher would do that. As the school bell rings, Laura turns and heads out. Nellie offering one more bit of advice. Um, I would focus on vocabulary. Um, the test has lots of words. Laura says thank you as she closes the door. And Nellie... What can I say? You're welcome. And the study session montage begins. Laying in bed, walking to school, doing the chores, baking. We even catch a glimpse of Charles coming up into the loft to pull that book away from Laura, who has fallen asleep studying. Cut to morning of the test. Charles is busy getting help, putting on a shirt. He's getting it a little stir-crazy and wants to head into town. Laura, Albert, and Carrie head out to school. Almost. Laura detours over to the feed and seed to tell Manny today is her test and wish her luck. Manny, however, decides to one-up and gives her a kiss on her forehead and calls it a kiss of luck and to never wipe it off. Laura backs up repeating the word never over and over as she heads into school. At this moment, Nellie steps into scene. Did my eyes deceive me? Did I just see you kiss that little girl? Ugh. Manny repeats it was good luck for her test. Nellie, under her breath, there's not enough luck in the world to help her. Back at a normal volume, she then offers to bring over some oatmeal cookies once they're done. Manny, oh, um, after these deliveries, um, um, I'm heading home for lunch and calling it a day. Nellie, great. I'll see you then. Over at the mill, Jonathan Garvey is in charge. You can tell by the clipboard. Charline shows up, and Caroline specifically tells Jonathan not to let him lift 
anything as she heads over to work. The two men head up to check out the new mill wheel as Charles mentions that today is Laura's test day. Apparently everyone needs to know today is Laura's test day in case they hadn't heard it over the last few weeks. Cut to Laura in her seat and Eliza Jane handing over the exam. She's reminded 10 to noon. And with that, Laura looks at the first page and smiles. But with each new test page she looks over, her expression says it all. It's more than words, vocabulary, and math. There's plenty of his story. And you can tell she's all ready to go all nuclear on Nellie Olson on the prairie. Speaking of, over at Nellie's, Nellie is filling her basket with Caroline's oatmeal cookies. As Nellie compliments the work, Caroline offers to teach her. Nellie, uh, no, I got something else to do. Nellie makes her way all over to Manny's, Eliza Jane's place. Not entirely sure, but upon Nellie's arrival, she immediately tr she tries to get him to invite her inside so he can try her cookies. Her words, not mine. From up in the hayloft, Manny responds with, uh, work, 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 uh, plus, uh, no sweets before lunch. Nellie then offers to go inside and make him his lunch. Almanzo, great. There's some fresh kidneys inside. And Nellie Olson, pate, ugh, gross. I mean, look at the time. I've got lunch service over at my restaurant. I'll just leave these here. Toodaloo. Back at school, it's finally noon. Laura's two hours of humiliation are over. The class leaves and Laura turns in her test, but tells Eliza Jane not to bother to grade it. And now Laura, getting a second definition, pulls a Laura by turning and bolting from the scene. And she's out the school, past Albert and down the road. Albert blurts out, how did you do? But she's moving so fast, she doesn't hear. And Albert looks concerned for his sister. Laura, not Carrie. We find Laura at a pond, a pond we're not familiar with, and she's upset. She's, actually, she's P.O.'d. She couldn't complete the test. And at this moment, guess who's walking by, dear listeners? And Laura is up on her feet and in Nellie's face in seconds. Oh, what a surprise to see you. I was just at Almanzo's place for lunch. How did the test go, Laura? Through her teeth, you know how it went. It was all history. Even Miss Wilder says there's always history. From Nellie. Yeah, um, now that you mention it, there was lots of history. Like, lots of history. Those teeth are still together when Laura responds with, I'm not upset, because it wasn't on purpose, was it? Nellie who is all smiles. Of course not. A smile spreads on Laura's face when she says, good, neither is this. And for another unexpected surprise, in the prairie verse, we get mud wrestling as Laura takes Nellie and tosses her face first into the muddy, shallow waters of the unidentified pond. 
And Laura? Laura doesn't care. She jumps right in on top, and it's the catfight we have been waiting for. Now we know where Dynasty got it from. As I'm enjoying some popcorn on the couch, Nellie Olsen is enjoying a mouthful of mud, served to her by Laura. Gross. Oh, and what it would have been like to be Manny, riding out in a wagon and coming across two individuals rolling around in the mud. And this vision elicits an appropriate response. Whoa. But when he says it, he means to stop the horse. Out of the wagon, he grabs hold of Laura and says, Beth, that's enough. But uh, no, Laura is berserk. If she wasn't covered in mud, she would be as red as her dress that is also covered in mud. She's livid. Talk about a level up. However, Manny, being twice her size and, and what maybe looks like twice her age, picks her up, puts her in his wagon, and they head back to his place leaving Nellie, H2T, in the mud. Back in the kitchen over at Nellie's, Charles enters with Jonathan Gauvery. They're offered some pie. They're sharing the news they heard from Albert that Laura left the school running. And at this moment, we hear Harriet Olsen yell out Carolyn Ingalls in, again, that new octave, I dare not try. I want you to come here and look what your daughter did to Nellie. Carolyn, along with Charles and Jonathan Garvey, make their way into the dining room and witness the spectacle that is Nellie, leading, of course, to them all LOLing. Carolyn does her best to explain that a mud bath is actually a really good treatment. People pay good money for that. Nellie, not amused, claimed Laura attacked her and she tried to kill me. But when pressed why she would do such a thing, Nellie decides to offer only her side of the story and is very adamant about mentioning seeing the two of them kiss. Charles is immediately not happy. He's also told she got into his buckboard and they drove back to his place. Charles is really not happy when he then asks Uber wagon, lift, ride, while announcing he has full intentions of beating El Monzo within an inch of his life. We get a shot of a high-speed wagon ride, and we are then over at the Wilder place. Not sure whose house it is. Manny comes in the room, announcing Laura's clothes are soaking, while she is dressed in his robe, sitting in a chair next to a fire. He then proceeds to offer some hot chocolate, and with that beverage, Manny works on trying to get out from Laura what exactly happened. And Laura shares how Nellie sabotaged her by saying there was no history to be concerned for. Manny starts to laugh. So what? My sister had to take the teaching exam three times. She never gave up. And look at you. You look like the type that's not going to give up, no matter what. Now give us a smile. Laura delivers on that smile when there's a knock at the door. Manny gets up, heads over, and opens the door, and is greeted with a left hook from Charles, which sends Manny flying across the room and over a table. And in this moment, anything you can do, I can do better, pops into my head. After a few more blows in, Manny ends up in the stairwell with a bloody lip. Charles demands an explanation 
of why his underage daughter is in your robe. Laura finally jumps in. I got in a fight and I got all muddy. I mean, you saw Nellie. Charles then inquires about this kiss. And Laura responds, it was for good luck and it was on my forehead. Charles, oh. Over in the stairwell, we hear from Manny, you don't think I would? Beth is just a little girl. Laura hears this and whips her head around. Charles and Manny manage to say little girl a record number of times in a few seconds. And over from the side, we hear, Stop talking about me like I'm not here. I'm not a little girl. Laura moves to the door, announcing, I am a woman, a woman, and I hate all of you. As she slams the door and bolts, Charles face palms himself and says, uh, this is my day for messing up, and proceeds to step outside, where out of nowhere, Caroline shows up with baby Grace and is filled in on everything as they head home to Plum Creek. Up in the loft, Laura's laying there, and Caroline has come up to have a one-on-one -on -one with her. While Laura shares everything that went wrong today, the failed test, Paul hitting Almanzo, both of them calling me a little girl. It was awful, Ma. Caroline, well, aren't you acting like one? Offering a handkerchief, she has Laura sit up and blow her nose. As Laura looks, Caroline says, this won't be the first or the last time you fail a test. That's just part of trying. And if you don't try, you won't fail. And sure, life may be easier, but it will be very dull. She continues by making the comparison between Charles and Laura, how she's a girl trying to be a woman and he's a man acting like a boy. The biggest difference that Charles would admit he was wrong. And Laura says it's different for her. Caroline wants to know why. Laura, we did it for the right reasons. Love. Caroline, duh, I know that. But it's no excuse to act the way you have. If you want him to treat you like an adult, you have to act like one. That may take time. Things may or may not work out. But all of that is a lot more exciting than sitting up here in the loft with a runny nose. Blow again. She tells her daughter she's heading back to work, and as her mom makes her way down the ladder, Laura again professes her love for Manny. Caroline smiles. That's nice. Keep it to yourself. Outside, at Plum Creek, Charles is tossing pebbles into the water, and Laura comes out, still dressed in Manny's robes. She's been home for how long? As they sit and compare their tragic day, and begin arguing over whose fault everything was, they come to the conclusion. It was actually all Nellie's fault. They hug and share I love yous. And in this moment, Charles asks Laura if she would like to have a picnic and go fishing. And Laura, it sounds good, but that's half pint to you, Pa. As father and daughter walk to the fishing spot, Laura's voiceover tells us, she didn't bring up Almanzo again for quite some time, and she will always be half-pint to her pa. But she's absolutely sure, as we all are, 
that she will someday be Laura Ingalls Wilder as the camera closes in on those engraved initials. It's been some time, but we get to pull some information trivia from the source material. So if you've never read the books, which again is a possibility because I myself did not read them until a few years ago, Almanzo Wilder makes his introduction in the book The Long Winter. In fact, his introduction is quite pivotal because if it wasn't for him, as well as a schoolboy named Cap Garland, and again, I'm not going to expose any spoilers if you've never read the book, but let's just say there would be no Little House if it wasn't for those two. After the events of the long winter in Little Town on the Prairie, as for Almanzo, he has a few appearances throughout the book, but it's towards the very end where he finally asks if he can escort Laura home from church. Book Caroline thinks this is a little scandalous because he is a grown man and she's only 15. And I have to say, hmm, try watching it. And dear Miss Eliza Jane Wilder does also make an appearance in Little Town on the Prairie. She begins the fall term of the school year in DeSmit, South Dakota. And after that one term, she's replaced. So you can see they're already milking that character on the TV series. The whole courtship and eventual marriage between Laura and Almanzo takes place entirely in these happy golden years. Oh, and P.S. I never did read Farmer Boy. And with that, let's get to reviewing and rating this episode. I hate to say it, but Laura did kind of deserve that. And I find it a little shocking that her very, very sorry excuse for an apology for Nellie actually made her feel as though everything was okay between the two of them. Laura is blinded by those feelings for Manny. I mean, other than that time, Laura sat down with Nellie to discuss Nellie's brief nuptials. These two have never really gone above or beyond to help one another. So why does Laura trust Nellie's word when told there's no history on this final school exam? When involving Nellie, she's always kind of picked up that there is some ulterior motive. But here, she's completely fine with accepting Nellie's false information, not only in regards to the test, but also Miss Eliza Jane Wilder would somehow try to sabotage Laura's test for her own sake of employment. Laura is just taking Nellie for her word because all Laura wants is to be an adult. And Laura is once again repeating a cycle that she has done previously. Back in season four's The Rivals, when she was again trying to be something she was not. And in both those cases, Laura just wanted to be a woman. However, in this case, Laura thinks being a woman means achieving a piece of paper, while back then she thought it was simply by stuffing apples down her dress. Which again, are clear signs that Laura is still a kid. Which we can kind of see why Charles then begins acting like a kid, or a really defensive parent. 
But Caroline says it correctly. Both of them are not acting their age. And in regards to Caroline, I do find her nonchalant attitude about this. She's not necessarily encouraging it, but she's not stopping it either. She knows her daughter is growing up and is going to have feelings. I suppose when your first daughter, when she's underage, falls in love with her teacher and eventually marries him as soon as she turns 16, too much shouldn't shock you. Oh, and let's not forget Mary's first brush with matrimony when she almost married her gay fiancé, John Jr., at 14 years old. So, I guess Laura's right on track. So, no wonder Caroline doesn't seem too bothered. But, as woofable as these men, the Ingalls girls, are falling for, they could have tried to find smaller guys. When Mary was growing up, you know, I love Mary and all, but she was, as let, let's just say it, she was a middle-of-the-road kind of girl. She knew when to use brute force, and she also knew when to use her intellect. And she always had her goals set, even when there were a few bumps in her road. So Mary was very tame. But again, she knows how to deliver a punch. But Laura? I mean, half pint? This is kind of new territory for Charles. He's used to Laura running away for various reasons, but never over feelings for a guy. So yeah, Charles, Charles doesn't know what to do here. I mean, I, I guess the closest he got to this was when um, Mary's engagement was broken off by her gay fiance. But even then, he wasn't too invested in that scene because he had to deal with all the drama at the Grange meeting. So good luck to Charles in this new uncharted territory. And speaking of territory, let's talk about this week's little house moment, which you might be thinking that mud wrestling cat fight should be the winner, but it's not. This week's little house moment goes to the aftermath of that fight, as well as Charles's pumbling of Almanzo. As father and daughter are sitting around the creek comparing the tragedies of their day, it feels as though we haven't had one of these moments for a while, and to be honest, that we're not going to be having them as much, because Laura is growing up. She is becoming a woman. But they are united in their decision on whose fault all of this mess truly belongs to. Nellie. It's like saying sorry and sweeping everything under the rug without actually saying sorry. It's a father-daughter moment we have been long overdue for because we had a number of father-son moments back in season five. And with that, let's finally get to rating this episode. So as you can tell from the running time here, yeah, these second parts usually go by a little bit quicker. And they finish everything up kind of nicely with a bow. Our new characters and new location have now been integrated into the Prairieverse. We're moving the story forward by having Laura starting to have some more mature feelings and working towards her goal of becoming an educator. Baby Grace is growing up, as is Andy Garvey. Charles and Caroline are having to come to terms with having a different experience with their second born, as she is becoming a woman. And who knows what's in store for Albert this season? 
since he wasn't present that much in this episode. And now that Nellie Olsen is out of school and not really in the kitchen, what does she do? And how much Manny are we going to see throughout the rest of this season? All in all, I think season six is off to a good start. And that is why we are going to give this episode, Back to School, part two, 4.5 bonnet rating. And as always, those are some of my thoughts and feelings about this episode, and I wouldn't mind hearing any thoughts or feelings you have about this episode or any previous episode or season. Gmail, Instagram, from Plum Creek with Love is, is how you can make contact. Summer is underway, so I hope everyone's enjoying that. And what goes good with summer? Some fun music. So check out Season 6 Spotify playlist as well. And next week on From Plum Creek with Love, we have the episode entitled Family Tree and see what exciting things happen there. And with that, we come to the end of another episode of From Plum Creek with Love, a little house on the Prairie podcast. I'm your host, John Hernandez. And until next time, take care.